Hello, everyone. I'm Abigail Wald. And I'm Missy Pyle. And you are listening to Raising and Rising. We created this podcast for parents because we're one of you. We get you and we love you. I believe that from the moment that we become a parent, we have a vision of the kind of childhood we want our children to have and a vision of the kind of parent that we want to be. And while we always love our children, we don't always like them or their behavior. We are here to help you reconnect with that original vision of yours and give you the tools to make it your actual reality. Each episode, we talk to parents who feel that they are often getting pushed past their breaking point. We give loving, constructive solutions and new ways of thinking about your everyday parenting problems so you can confidently rise up to the challenge of raising strong-willed children who thrive within themselves, within your family, and within the larger world. On this episode of Raising and Rising, we chat with Michelle from California. Michelle is a neurocriminologist, host of the podcast How Not to Raise a Serial Killer, and mother of two kiddos, Charlotte and Soren. Today, we focus on her 10-year-old daughter, Charlotte, a highly sensitive and intelligent young tween. When feeling anxious or hurt, Charlotte makes her feelings, uh, let's say, known by arguing with Michelle. Michelle feels like she has tried everything to de-escalate these situations, but she still struggles with Charlotte's outbursts. Today, we discuss the art of de-escalation, the dignity tripwire, and how to let your kids torture you the appropriate amount without actually learning how to become a serial killer. Michelle, welcome. Thank you. I love to help parents um, have meaning to their lives while they're parenting Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't feel just like we're, you know, cutting quesadillas and, you know, changing diapers all day long, which of course we are, but that we also feel really deeply connected to something bigger and more important, which I know you are personally obviously interested in, given that you run a podcast called How Not to Raise a Serial Killer. Although, Truth be told, sometimes our kids drive us absolutely bonkers, especially the strong-willed, highly sensitive ones. And we parents need a little bit more support so that we don't wind up going out and murdering people. So that's my job. Well, I love that. And I need that. When I first was (laughs) birthed by children, I'm like, oh, blank slates. I can make them what I want. And I mean, now the bar's really low for me, just not raising a serial killer. It's like, okay, okay, clearly I'm not going to get this part right or that part right, but can we not end up in jail? Um, You know, even though I read all the books and I feel like I've had every degree there is, and I still, I still don't get it right. They come out with these predispositions and I, I thought I could parent them to be the children I wanted, but truly I need to learn to become the parent they need because I'm not doing it right. Well, I was just going to say... It's so interesting, this idea of like, I'm going to, I get these blank slates, like, uh, wait, back up, back up. Cause no, no. And I, I know better, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So tell me, so who, who'd you get in the grab bag? <laughs> who'd you I'll get? Who I got. I'll tell you who I got. <laughs> the first kid I got comes out. She's like, darling, she's, she's identical to my baby pictures. So I'm like, oh, I can do this. Cause I am that. So I've got this very verbal, um, could speak in full sentences before she was one, could tell you what she wanted. You know, she's that kid. She's strong-willed, sensitive, strong-willed type. Um, but flexible as long, slept with me, still sleeps with me. If she slept, and she's 10 and a half, as long as I was near her, 
She could hold my hair. We could do anything. We went around the world. Such a flexible kid as long as I was there um, or her dad. Then the next one comes. So easygoing. He's a boy. He's chill. Um, on a routine, she'd stay up till midnight. He was like, I'm in my crib at 5.30 p.m. I wake up at this hour. Totally inflexible. So easier because I could count on his routine, but could not sleep anywhere other than his crib. Mm. So we would have to just stay home for the first year and a half or import his crib to wherever we were. And it it was a nightmare. He's um, very much like a textbook kid. He's particularly sweet and kind. I meet strangers and they'll tell me stories about how last night some woman was like, oh, my daughter was making fun of how I was uh, carving the pumpkin. And Soren said, I think you're doing a great job. It's one of the the best looking pumpkins I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) Another instance there is a child in his class, like an incoming kindergarten, and she has a limb difference. And one of the teachers came to me and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, we had meetings about how we were going to introduce the limb difference to the kindergartners. She said, we didn't have to do a thing. Soren walks right up to her and says, oh, you have a magical arm. It's beautiful. I love your magical arm. And then all the kids came to see the magical arm and she was the queen. So later I said to him, I said, mommy's so proud of your empathy and, and how you see beauty in a difference. And he said, oh, I don't know if that was it. I just didn't want anyone to tease her. And I'm oh. like, you're five. Wow. No. So he's my, probably I'll ignore him too much, so he'll be the serial killer because I just think he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but Charlotte's more complicated. Here's a question that I find interesting just listening to you describe both of your kids. And one of the things that comes up for me when I look at that and kind of zoom out a little is I see two possible differing presentations of anxiety. Charlotte's very anxious. Choose her nails to hear, very anxious. Yeah, so she's clinging on to you. She's sleeping with you at 10 and a half, which is totally fine, right? But, but you know, she's only fine if you're there, right? And then she's totally flexible, but if you're there right? Or your husband. She's matured from that. Now she's cool at school. Like she's fine in those ways, but that was the nascency up until about five. She had to have one of us there. So she's fine with you or she's fine with her dad. And then he has a different response. So the way he manages his anxiety is not just people, right? I need to know my people. So to me, she is relational, So relational concepts are what soothe her. She soothes herself relationally, right? And he is soothing himself with routine, with order, almost more transactionally. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that's a really good way to describe them, especially when they were younger. Now that they are eight and 10, uh, they, they've changed. I've seen a change in them, but I, I, I still see a lot of the anxiety in her. Um, she's argumentative, like you would not believe. And I think it frustrates her that he's so compliant. She doesn't mm. break rules. She won't run in the street. She's not going to steal anything. She's never been reprimanded at school. Forward facing, she's a saint. But with me, there's an argument and it's relentless and it's over everything. Isn't that interesting? And I wonder if part of that, again, might be related to this idea of if I soothe myself relationally and you are my safe point and you and I aren't mirror neuroning exactly, then I must change you because 
we need to be in sync at all times or you're ruining my safety hub. So if you disagree with me or have a different idea, I'm either going to have to change my idea, which I don't think so. Um, so I'll just change yours. That could be. That could be. Right. Every every time she gets in the car from school, it's either a complaint or a demand. There's no, hi, how are you? It's, mom, why didn't I have this? Mom, can we go to this place right now? Why not? And mom, I want this. I need a horse. It's a complaint or a demand. I hated my well, lunch. And maybe that's also love language, right? Which is... Again, if she's super relational in that way, I love you because of your acts of service or quality time with me mm-hmm. or prove to me that you love me as much as I love you. Prove to me that you need me as much as I need you. You didn't get me the right snack. You didn't intuit that I told you this morning I wanted snap peas, but then I changed my mind to cheese and crackers while it was one o'clock and I was at school and you didn't realize that I changed my mind. Therefore, you don't love me enough. That could be. You don't sense any anxiety in your son anymore. No, he's he's chill. I always say he's Charlotte's a racehorse. She's she's so fascinating. She's so brilliant. She's and she runs faster than anybody and she's complicated and dynamic. And Soren is a Labrador puppy. Um he's simple. He doesn't seem anxious. He's um he seems like a regular kid with an extra dose of empathy. And kindness. So sweet. He's a sweet guy. And I feel bad for Charlotte because you don't, not everyone has to be like that. I don't want to beat her into a special kind of sweetness. I want her to be a rebel girl, whoever she is. But it is, I mean, I want to tear my eyeballs out because I'm like, I can't. If she's emotional about something, she will argue. She won't recognize I'm hormonal. I'm tired. I'm emotional. I'm teary. She will argue and argue and argue until she finds a reason to be justified in whatever emotion she's feeling. So give me the last time this happened. Give me a very specific example of what that argument looks like. Tuesdays, um, because they fight a lot, Tuesdays, my ex-husband and I were good friends. So we we switch, we switch schedules, we communicate, we, we're very flexible. Tuesdays, we separate the kids. This past Tuesday, it was her day with me. Um, but my niece flew in to surprise them. So we had both of them together here for a little bit. And then she had swimming lessons, which she doesn't want to do. So she's already missing that time she wanted with me. And then she had swimming lessons. So by the time she gets home, it's, you know, 7.30. And she is in tears already because she's tired and she's emotional. And she says, now we can't do anything together. We can't do anything together and everything's ruined. And I say to her, we can go on a hike. We can go on a walk. I'll take you to Target to get whatever you needed that you told me you needed. We can go online and buy you the horse bag you need. We can go through your clothes. We can play a board game. We can read a book together. We can do one of the charity crafts I have. I gave her 9,077 things to do. You're trying to solve the problem. And it, of course, became this Cartesian circle. And we're going around and around and around. And I finally said to her, I said, Charlotte, you're having big feelings right now. I am not. You're ha- okay, it looks like you're having a big feeling. Sit with it. Just recognize you're frustrated. You're irritable. You might not have a reason that has to do with what we're doing now to, to explain it away. Just be in this and then we'll work it out. It didn't end. Just kept going. Then she's in the bath texting me. You never came up with anything for us to do. You're, <laughs> you failed. I mean, and, and her vernacular is so sophisticated. 
I love it too, because she's literally hitting you where it hurts, mm-hmm. which is like, you are a neurocriminologist. You pride yourself on your intellect. You pride yourself on solving mysteries. You pride yourself yes. on being the person in the room who can figure it out. Yes. And she's like, not with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. it. She She's so smart. You did give birth to yourself, didn't you? No wonder you can walk in a room with serial killers. You're like, you ain't got nothing on me. It's so less scary. Like, I can handle them. She's far scarier. My family, they they are obsessed with her. They love her so much, but they definitely say she's the scariest person on the planet. That's hilarious. She's just super, super smart, and she's not going to let up, and she definitely has big feelings. So so let's just role play it. I just want to feel into what this feels like to be in a room with her. Okay. Okay. So will you do me a favor and just be her? Oh, good. Okay. I've never tried that. How fun. So you get to be her and you get to see what it feels like to be her. And I'm going to see what it feels like to be you. Okay. Okay? And I might make some different choices. We'll see. Um, I might make some of the same choices that you make. Um, And we'll just sort of see how it goes. So first of all, before we even do that, how did you tell her the niece was going to be there? Did she know that in advance? No, it was a surprise. She hates surprises. Yeah. So I'm just going to give you a little tip with her already, which is she's going to have a very strong dignity tripwire. So anytime you trip her dignity, there will be hell to pay. Okay. What does that look like? So um, she didn't know something makes her feel off her game. All right. So it's actually, uh, it's going to be in how you let her know. So first of all, when you can prepare her for things, absolutely prepare her. It's what I call pre-work. Okay. So some children really require a lot more pre-work than others. Um, But for a situation that you can't prepare, so instead of like, oh, Denise is here. Like, isn't this great? Oh, well, we're going to do this and and then we'll drop you off for your swim lesson. I would kind of try to meet her at the door and go, hey, listen, a big surprise happened and I need to know what you want to do about it and how we can make it work for you. So do I, can I tell my niece, like, look, I know you want to surprise your cousin, but you can surprise Soren. He's cool with it, but we need to to give Charlotte a little bit of yeah, leadway. She, if we just ambush her, she might sock us in the face. So if we want to actually have her enjoy it, can I have a minute before? Great idea. That makes a lot of sense. Right. And then I might say, you know, hey, your niece came and she's so excited and she cannot wait to see you. And here's the thing. I know you have to go to swimming today and you don't even get to hang out with her as much as you wanted. So I want you to tell me what you want it to look like after swimming. Do you want her to stay if she can? Do you want to stay up late? Do I need to let you stay up late so you can have dinner with us? That's crazy talk. Like something that would be, and the, what you're going to do is you're going to inject something that's quote unquote painful for you because that's going to even out the dignity tripwire. So she feels that you've taken her down a peg. She doesn't have as much choice in the situation. Her dignity is getting tripped. So you're going to hand it back to her. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you're going to say, oh gosh, am I going to have to go to Target with you to make this up to you? Oh, That's what boy. I did. Yeah. But instead of like, 
no, no, we can still go to Target, which is the same offer packaged differently, right? So one, she'll push back and yeah. say it's not enough. Another one, she's going to be like, ah, ha, 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 yes, you do. Yes? It's brilliant. It's br- I'm writing it down like a nerd. <laughs> so here's the thing. Some parents hearing that, and I love that you're like, oh, I get this. This is brilliant. But some parents, I am sure, some of our listeners are like, why would I do that? Like, doesn't she just need to be able to deal and go with the flow? So here's the weirdo thing is that there's what we wish existed and then there's what's actually going to go down. Okay. So we wish she would just be like, oh yeah, my niece is here. Cool. I still have to go to swimming, which I don't really want to. Mom's going to get to hang out with the niece. Now I don't get mom. Now I don't get the niece, but that's cool. I'll just do this thing. I really am not looking forward to doing that. I'm probably having some anxiety about anyway. And that's cool. I'll just get home and I'll have missed everything. And then I also won't get time with mom and no problem guys. I'm totally cool with that. And while we would love for that to be the event that actually follows, the reality is we can be on the ground, know what we know, and know that's actually not what it's going to look like. That's kind of adulthood. We know what's really going to happen instead of just fantasizing about what we wish would happen, right? And so we understand that this is not how the current system is built, and that if we force her into that situation, it actually creates more bad feelings, which then wire together. And so then she thinks, yet again, not being told things, having surprises happen is a bad thing. I hate it. I had a horrible night. I'm mad at my mom, you know, and that creates all sorts of now other problems downriver. So I'm always thinking like, upriver to downriver. And I'm always thinking, what are we putting in the river that then's going to wind up in the fish that we eat later, right? Yep. So so I'm always sort of thinking about that. And so in, in this case, while it might seem like crazy pants to actually give it to her in this way, what it does is it tells her, ooh, surprises happen and you still have ways to have power in them and you might even get something you weren't gonna get in the first place. So actually this surprise actually upped your stock. It didn't devalue you. And therefore she starts associating surprise with flexibility. And while this time I have to do a lot more work and I may have to do that a few times, over time I'm building a brain that associates surprise with stability, surprise with benefit. And that creates over time a much more beneficial person. So what you're saying to me resonates because I do believe they come hardwired. And I think part of her hardwiring is anxiety. And I think she's fearful. She's an observer and then she dives in. I didn't think about that because I thought she'd be so excited about the surprise. I didn't think about what she's giving up, which is her once a week alone with me and her swim lesson she didn't want to go to in order to have that surprise. So that makes sense to to do the pre-work. And by the way, even that sentence for her would be proof that you don't love her as much as she loves you. How could you not think of that? Hmm. Now, I'm not saying it's true. Of course right. it's not true. But in her mind, with that fusy mirror neurony tween girl self of you are the person I love the most in the world, don't go anywhere, I must hold on to your hair to sleep, like the fact that you wouldn't know that her top line, like ROI in the world, you know, her return on investment for the week is that I get to spend that night with you. And that now somebody else just pops in and all of a sudden that's more important than this, right? 
you're already taking time out of it for swim lesson. Now I have to deal with two things taking this mm-hmm. away when I'm already dealing with all of the transition of a divorce as, as amicable as it is. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Right? So there's that line possibly too, potentially. Oh, I think you're absolutely hitting the nail on the head because my boyfriend showed up too that night. So I think that was triggering. And another? <laughs> another person. Okay, not my shadow. How many moment. people want you, mommy? <laughs> there was four people. It was a lot of people. My dad was a really surprising figure. He had traveled all around the world and he had stories about places and people. Talking to my dad was literally like, opening up a book and just pointing to a random chapter and just being like prepared to be thrilled. And now that my father has passed away so many years ago, I wonder how many other stories don't I know? How many did I never ever get to hear? That is why I want to share with you guys today an incredible gift to get for your father's story worth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your father figure connect through sharing stories and memories and preserves them for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your father a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of, like, what was your childhood bedroom like? And what's the best job you've ever had? I wish that I had my dad's answers to those questions. And I know that every time I used to ask for his stories, I would discover these stories and memories that I never knew about and learn new things and stories that I thought I already knew. And when he passed away, I remember I sat down myself to write the stories that I could remember in that moment. But I wish I had so many more. I just want to again share with you guys this incredible opportunity to get your dad story worth so that he can share his stories with you. And after one year, StoryWorth compiles all of those questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. What an incredible gift. If I had that for myself and then also could pass that on to my kids, I wish. Give all the fathers in your life a meaningful gift you can both cherish for years to come. Story Worth. Right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash raising. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash raising to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash raising. Once we get into this cycle of, this I can do, I can be like, so somebody did try to surprise her recently, like, we're going to go to a secret play and we don't want Charlotte to know who is in it. Both her dad and I are like, that's, that can backfire, that can backfire. So we knew to do the pre-work on that one. What if I F up and I don't do the pre-work and we get into the cycle that we got into where she's very emotional and she wants to fight about it so she can just, she can have action that matches the pain. Let's do that. So I messed up. She comes home from the pool and she says, Our night's ruined. Now it's too late to do anything because you invited everybody over here on our night that we were supposed to have together. Wow. I totally did that. I didn't even realize that I was doing that because I was thinking this would be fun for you. And I was thinking it was fun for me. But now I'm incredibly upset because now I don't get my night with you. Yeah, and that's not fair because Soren got his night with you last week and now I didn't. So now I need an extra night. Okay, you're 100% correct, actually. 
that is not fair. And I should have asked you, but I have a question. How do I ask you when I don't know in advance? Like if somebody's surprising you, but they're also surprising me, like if a piano was going to fall on our head right now and you're like, you didn't warn me about the piano, but I'm like sitting here talking to you on the sidewalk and the piano is dropping on both of us at the same time. How do I warn you about the piano? Well, I'm sure your sister called you and told her, told you that Taylor was coming. I'm sure Taylor told you that he was coming. So I think you did know that they were coming. You're right. There was a little warning to the piano. Okay. So in the piano case, just to be clear, you're cool with it. You get that sometimes She'd the piano cool will drop. That. Yeah. We can't do anything about the piano, but you knew that they were coming and you, you could have told them no. I could have told them no. And so actually you are accurately upset. Can I tell you something that's really hard about being a grown-up? And maybe sometimes you've experienced this as a kid too. So we have competing values. I really, really, really value our time together. And I also really value my relationship with my sister and with my niece. And then I also value being like a happy, fun, accommodating person. And so when she called, I was like, ooh, that hits a couple of my values but it completely made me disregard this value. And I didn't do that math right. I didn't sit and think long enough and hard enough about the fact that it hit two of my values, but didn't hit another value that was one of my top, top values. So I can see that I was only like looking at part of the story. And the part of the story that I didn't look at was our part. Oh, I feel terrible. Can I give you a hug? No. No, I expected that because you are mad at me. I am mad at you. You have every right to be mad at me. Have you ever had a time where, like, I remember, you know, there was that time that you wanted to go to somebody's birthday party, but then you also wanted to be there for your brother's play and you didn't know which one to do because you wanted to do both. And either way you turn, you're going to hurt somebody and also hurt you, like, because you want all of it and we have to make choices and... I think, I wonder if I made the wrong choice tonight. I guess, can I tell you what I was thinking? Yeah. Okay. By the way, thanks for talking to me. I feel like you're making such good points and you're really able to listen to me. And it's it's really a pleasure to think with you. You're teaching me a lot right now. Fine. So I guess what I was thinking is I feel so close to you. And I feel like nothing can get in the way of our relationship. And it feels so present to me, even when I'm not with you. And so then when she was coming in, it was like, oh, that's coming in from out of town. And so that doesn't happen that often. And so that seemed like temporary. And I was like, I should do the temporary thing because we don't get a chance to do that often. So it felt rare. And you don't feel rare to me You are like the air that I breathe and the water that I drink, but you are also right that we only do get our one night a week alone. And so I think my feeling of you, which is like you're in every fiber of me, didn't correlate with the reality of how much time you and I get together. I think at that point she'd calm down. I think she'd also pour me a glass of wine because she'd know that was really hard. So sorry. I'd like to make this up to you tonight. I want I want to go to Target. I will take you to Target. And I want to stay up till 10. You can stay up till 10. I'm not leaving Target until they, they go. And I want to buy baggy jeans in the men's section. And I want a Nirvana shirt. All right. So you're just going to rake me over the coals on this. So here's the deal. Here's the deal, my friend. 
I do want to make this up to you, but I also want you to let me make it up to you in a way that feels really good, but doesn't feel like you're taking advantage of my having made a mistake because I love you and I want to respect you and I want to feel bad. And I don't want you to push me so hard down when I make a mistake. So I need a little grace, but I'm also willing to pay for my mistake. And, and also not just pay for my mistake. I genuinely want to have a night with you. So just make your choices based on us genuinely having a night together, not on like torturing me back because I'm already tortured. Fine. So what is it? Baggy jeans? What? I want an extra day where Soren's not here. I want the same number of hours that I had to share with Soren. I want those hours and I want Roblox and I want baggy jeans and I'm going to have to make like 20 different mistakes for this. Are you sure you want this many mistakes on my part? Fine. I just want to go to Target and buy one thing. Okay, let's do it. I love you. I'm excited to go to Target and buy one thing with you. And that, by the way, we do actually have a lot of time over time. And it's never going to be enough. Because I love you so much, there is not enough time in the world to be with you. And that's a real feeling. And that's a nice feeling. Because I don't feel that way about lots of other people in the world. In fact, there's only a couple people I actually feel that way about, and you're one of them. So let's go to Target, get your stuff together. I'm going to keep you up late. You and I are going to have a night. And then, you know, you can put the other stuff on the mistake list. So when I make more mistakes, we know how to make it up to you. Although if you've changed your mind by then, you might want other things. That's cool too. She would be so stoked to have a mistake list where she gets to go and get things when I mess up. Like that power for her would be a game changer. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's, and then she did, by the way, we went, once she got her way, my boyfriend made us dinner and then he went home and then we went to Target until it closed and she did get a Smashing Pumpkins, not a Nirvana shirt and a couple other things. And then we closed Target down and we had a great night. Awesome. But I had to fight with her for an hour and a half first to get there. Yeah. To get her to give in to just letting the night happen rather than arguing about the night. Because I but didn't part acquiesce. part of the fight is she's fighting for you. Mm-hmm. She's saying, I love you. Can't you see? I'm going to mm-hmm. fight with you until you feel it. I want to feel that you love me too. She just loves you. I've never tried this. I've tried everything and I've never tried this. And this I can do. You know, I can just, I can meet her with... The, I, I didn't consider you, but you're my first priority and I can let her, I can validate that for her. I can do that. Yeah. And with your heart, she doesn't want to hear it with your head. She wants to hear the pain. So kids, especially highly sensitive kids, um, one of the ways you know how they're feeling is you can ask yourself, what are you making me feel? So they manufacture their feelings, they externalize their feelings because they're so intense that there almost aren't words for it, but they're brilliant at almost creating like a theatrical experience of their feeling. So one of the ways you know how a child like this is feeling is you think, how am I feeling? Well, I'm feeling attacked, I'm feeling isolated, I'm feeling demeaned, I'm feeling like I've done something wrong. So she's feeling a little bit attacked, demeaned, isolated, and like she's done something wrong that she's being pushed out of your circle. Mm. Does that make sense? Totally. I just thought of it as defiance. Yeah. And if we look at it that way, what the heck are we supposed to do about it? It's so unrich. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's so demeaning, right? You're just Mm -hmm. one color, right? But she's not. She's a beautiful human who has had a lot of things happen in her world and you're her rock and she's scared. 
and she's not ready to grow away from you yet. And in a few years, you'll be like, hey, I want to check in with you. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I've got plans. I'm meeting my friend at Target. And you'll be like, oh, cool. I don't need to do that anymore. (laughs) But for right now, she's like, don't move. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you don't get to move. You can still have the niece come over. You can still have the boyfriend come over. You can do all of these things, but you have to take care of her needs in the process of it. Does that make sense? It's brilliant and it makes perfect sense. And to me, my fear is recognizing the tripwire, recognizing when this is going to trigger her. Um, You know, the other day I invited her to play tennis with my son and my boyfriend. And I preempted it. I said, we're we're all going to play tennis. I'm going to play with you and then your brother. And then I'm going to have a a real game with Francis. Why can't, why can't we all play the same time all the time? Why do you need alone time with him? I said, because we both play tennis and I want to have at least one real game. I'm still teaching you how to play tennis. You're still learning. So we're going to do that for part of the time. And we're going to do this other thing for part of the time. Dignity tripwire. Yeah. I did it wrong. Dang it. (laughs) No, no. It's just, (laughs) can you see from her point of view, it's like dignity tripwire, right? So how does one present this to someone like Charlotte? Because we ended up having a great time, but... So you could do it by going, um, hey, we're all going to play a game together. And then I'm going to give you and your brother money. And you guys are going to go over to the kiosk and order lunch for us and get everything, and then I'll meet you there. Mm. So instead, you give her a job she can feel special for instead of giving her a place that she has to sit. And again, this is a very long, complicated conversation because I know there are parents hearing this right now who are thinking, are you kidding? Like, I need my kid to be able to not feel special. Like, they just need to deal with the fact that sometimes I'm going to want to play with somebody else. Yes. And again, I will say, if we give it to them before they're emotionally ready to handle it, what you get is the exact opposite. You get a kid who never wants to feel that because it felt so bad, Mm. as opposed to a kid who had a good experience not playing with you and having you play with somebody else. That is what writes the wires in the brain of it's okay to let mommy play with other people. So over time, they'll accept it rather than just do it because I told you to accept it. That's right, because that actually creates the opposite feeling, which is I hate doing things because you tell me to do them, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And this is the problem is we're always trying to get the short-term solution and we're giving up the long-term win. And it's the opposite. We need to do the short-term uncomfortable as parents for the long-term win for everybody. And we fight back and we go, well, why should I do the short-term uncomfortable for the long-term win? They need to learn it's not always going to be comfortable, to which I'm going to say we do too, mm-hmm. right? Does that make sense? Totally. Like, we have to do that too. We have to model, I'm willing to make the short-term uncomfortable converse, you know, choice for the long-term gain. And when we live that way, they live that way too. When it comes to her behaving disrespectfully or fighting with me, defying, which is what I used to call it, now I'll call it um, wanting to feel loved, whatever I need to call it, in a group setting where adults are there and they all stare at her like, do not talk to your mother that way. And I'm just like, don't worry, I've got this. But it happens a lot where she puts her foot down she, she will tell me my, my voice and my choice should be as, as powerful as yours. 
I should have an equal choice. And I always have to explain parents are here, kids are here. And she'll do this in front of adults when she puts her foot down and she's going to defy. And that's it. I don't know how to handle it in these situations where there's collateral damage, like, you know, her brother's not getting to school on time or other people are witnessing this. So I will say it's a much larger conversation because it brings up issues of should children have equal rights? And that is in and of itself a complicated conversation, which is I think, I do think a child's voice should be deeply, deeply listened to. And yet what children don't have that we do is they don't have wisdom and they don't have event horizon. So they're making choices that need to be deeply respected, but they don't have the long-term understanding, whereas hopefully we do. We don't always either. Um, And so does that mean a child should be in charge? No, a parent is very much the parent, and I'm very, very uh, not about permissive parenting. I'm very in the camp of parents need to be leaders of our families. And yet true leadership to me is true service. So we are actually serving those that we are leading. And so there is a real reciprocal nature. And so for me, that would be about making sure you're doing the pre-work before you're in the company of other people to know that she's actually at peace with the choices that will be happening. So you don't have to deal with it publicly because public parenting is not for the faint of heart. No, it's not. But that makes a lot of sense too. It's, it's going to take me anticipating some stuff. Correct. You will have to get very good at actually getting real with what's on the ground and getting real with the people that you have and learning to set everyone up for success. Yes. And, you know, this is why I don't work with parents just one time. I do a whole six month experience of mentorship because it literally touches on every facet, like everything we clean, we're going to have to clean something else because you're like, well, now that I got that clean, I got to figure out what I do in this moment, but okay, but now I got that, but then what do I do there? And so it's a system, it's an, it's an ecosystem and each thing affects the other. It's all connected. And so um, every single thing you move, you're going to want to understand what happens as a result of that shift um, because it affects the ecosystem. And so uh, the entirety of the ecosystem is something that, you know, takes time. Just this pre-work alone, Dignity Tripwire in pre-work I mean, that is going to be my project for the next however long. Like, forget all the other stuff I talked about. Just understanding that the work's on me, really, to evaluate every situation and recognize whether it is a situation that requires pre-work or not. Yes. And I just want to say one last thing, which is, because I really want to relieve parents, because it's very important that we understand this. The work is on you, so the work can be on them. And I want to explain what I mean, because... Parents think, I don't want to do that much work. Like my kid just needs to learn. So I kind of like to explain it like this. Like I remember I used to explain to my boys, um, my younger son would do something to my older son. And then my older son would do something way worse back to him. And I was like, dude, if you do the really bad thing, which one do you think mommy has to deal with? Right? So if your brother did something, was an asshole, let him be the asshole. Mm-hmm. The moment you become more of a problem, I have to deal with you. You just missed out on letting him be the asshole. So, so dude, right? You know, and we joke about it. Um, that's that's like our vibe in the house. We just have a lot of fun, and they're boys, and um, you know, they get they get my New York on. I love it. Um, <laughs> so, Absolutely love it. 
Um, so he would he would laugh, and then I I got him to understand over time. Literally, let him be the asshole. Like you be the clean one in the room, so I can actually deal with the problem. And so it's the same thing for parents. You're doing the work so that actually she has to do the work. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do the work, then it remains your problem. So that's why I focus with parents on getting what I call clean, meaning you're not adding to the Petri dish. You are being such a clean element, such a clean variable in the Petri dish that if there's bacteria, it's on them. And then you get to help clean them. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense because then it's that nothing's blurred. It's like, look, I did this. I didn't add to the problem. Even if I didn't handle it great, I didn't add to the problem. So the focus can be there. And the child knows that. And the smarter the child and the more argumentative the child, they will never move while you're still in the Petri dish because they can always point to something. Yes. So get yourself out of the Petri dish. Oh, this is brilliant. I'm sorry. I've said it 10 times, but I have to I get out my Petri dish. All right. All right. Right. But that's why you want to do this work. I'm not asking you to do the work because you're going to do all the work and your kid gets to just do whatever they want. It's like do the work. So actually they have to. Yeah, if I'm right. not, if I'm clear, if I'm giving her all the affirmations right. she needs and saying you are right, I'm wrong, then she has to stop. She has to work on her anxiety. She has to work on learning to share you. She has to work on becoming big enough to do that. She has to work on filling her life so that you're not the only thing. She has to work on all of those things, on the flexibility, on problem solving, on learning that there's more than one way to be with you. She has to learn that if she wants another night with you, then we've also got to talk to dad and make sure that works. And who else's schedule does that impact? So now she's got to learn all of these things. Whereas if you don't budge, all she has to do is fight with you. That makes tremendous sense. Right? Yeah. All right, have we helped you rise and helped you raise her? I, I mean, I have notes. I'm going to send the notes to my ex-husband. I'm going to send <laughs> No, this is like, you know, it's funny. I was so excited to be on this podcast just for the sake of being on the podcast. But when I'm like, wait a minute, I'm getting an expert. I'm getting access to an expert in something I'm struggling with. You know, I can be, I can read every book, but the baby comes out and no one tells you which one you're getting. And if you have more than one, you need more than one set of parenting skills. So I really appreciate this. No, this was actually life-changing for me. I'm not saying that in any sort of like wax poetic way. Like I I hadn't thought of it that if I just give in to, because I'm like, why are you having a tantrum? This is ridiculous. Grow up. I don't know. We'll see if it works. And again, to be clear, there's so much that needs to happen for it to work. Because you, it's like, I tell parents like, you don't get a tire you know, a set of tires and all of a sudden your car goes, right? You need the tires, you need the wheel, you need the frame, you need all of it, right? So you put all of the pieces together and we all have different pieces that are missing. And so, you know, you build your exact vehicle, mm-hmm. yes? And it takes time to do that. But but yes, this should help and, and you should see at least parts of it go that weren't going before. I can see that. Get out of the Petri dish. I love that. It's awesome. All right. Well, I know that Missy and I are going to have the chance to join you on your amazing podcast, How Not to Raise a Serial Killer. So if any of you parents are worried that you might be um, and you want to know how not to, uh, you've got to check out Michelle's show. It is like creepy, weird, amazing, fascinating, horrifying, can't take your eyes or ears off of it, I should say. Although it's quite visual too, as you're telling that story. Um, All those stories, I, I, yeah. And I'm a complete scaredy cat and I can't stop listening. So I'm going to need therapy. I'm going to hold your hand. (laughs) Trust me, the work you just gave me, not how to raise Charlotte is is far scarier. So we're (laughs) going to get through it. But thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I actually feel really empowered right now. And I, 
I don't say that often. I love that. That is my happiest thing that I get to do all day as Empower Parents. It's really exciting for me. My friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Michelle. Is she not the coolest person ever? It's literally my first conversation ever with a neurocriminologist. I am so excited. Uh, And so here's what I would like you guys to know um, is that we talked a lot today about why would we give a kid like this who's demanding, why would we give them more power in this situation? Shouldn't we be giving them less? So I've got a gift for you, which is something you can get by going to motherflippingawesome.com slash good power with no spaces in between. And uh, what you're going to get is a little clip where I'm going to explain to you why a kiddo who's feeling no power is going to go for bad power and why the answer isn't pushing them back down to no power, but helping them take the escalator all the way up to good power. So if you want to learn more about that, go to motherflippingawesome.com slash goodpower. Hey, everybody. We just want to thank you so much for listening. And we hope that we've helped you in some way and that you've really enjoyed this conversation. If you or someone you know is struggling with a parenting problem, contact us using our online form at raisingandrising.co. That's raisingandrising.co. Or message us on Instagram at raisingandrising with your most frustrating parenting questions. We want to help make it better. And if you liked our discussion, make sure to subscribe to Raising and Rising on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. And hey, give us an amazing rating because you know you loved it. And for those of you feeling inspired by this parenting conversation, check out motherflippingawesome.com slash help for a way to hop on a call with me and have a conversation about your family. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.